Sassy podcast, and today we have Desri Musselman with us, and I'm so excited to have you again on the podcast today. This is kind of an extension from our last podcast, which is you know who's to say what's good and bad. And I still love and try to live with that motto in anything that I do. And you know when I discussed this topic with Desri last time, we actually get into an interesting topic. Kind of a subtopic of that, which is you know feedback, right? Because feedback is a part of communication, and it's so important not just in business but in everyday life. How to provide feedback? So Desiree, can you share a little bit more about you know based on your experience, what makes a good feedback? Oh, that is a great question to kick us off with, um, and it's very nuanced, which is part of the challenge with being able to give effective feedback. Right. A lot of the key pieces of of giving that effective feedback is really understanding the communication style of the person you're talking to, Mm -hmm. your own communication style, Mm -hmm. and how those two mesh or don't mesh. They might clash. It's understanding, um, really being able to take in what emotions are coming up for the person, reading body language, um, tone of voice how they're really interacting with the conversation, fact finding. And what I mean by that, (laughs) can you tell us more, please? Yes. What I mean by that is when we go in and we muster up the courage to have that conversation, there's a couple things that usually happen when we're giving somebody feedback or holding them accountable to something. And it goes Mm -hmm. back to our conversation about who's to say what is good and what is bad. Usually by the time we're ready to have a conversation, we've built a case as to why we need to have it. It's interesting to me that you actually mentioned by the time you provide the feedback, you kind of already have this, you know, kind of like a report of what you want to talk about instead of actually having an open communication with the person first about what you're about to say. So it can feel very judgmental I guess from the opposite end right and you feel like you're being on a trial case absolutely and if it's even the first or even second time that you've Mm -hmm. done it our brain has this way that once we make a judgment it will filter out anything else because it wants to make that judgment right so it will start Mm -hmm. looking for anything to prove its point so that's where having the conversation and starting that feedback by fact finding can help and that that could be as simple as like hey some of the things that I've been noticing are X, Y, and Z and stick to the facts on that and then get curious with them. Tell me more about that. What's going on for you? I love the fact that you said, get curious about it, because when you're curious, you're not assuming that you know everything, which Mm -hmm. I think in my personal experience, the worst thing you can share feedback with someone is when you actually have a lot of assumptions about them. And you're not allowing that person to explain or portray how they're perceiving, you know, their reality, because it's always, you know, there's always two lengths to everything, right? And um, 
And I, I also want to ask, you know, speaking of curiosity, I also want to kind of dig deeper into what makes people actually hold off on providing feedback? Why do they wait so long to provide someone feedback? What do you, what have you found in your, you know, <laughs> practice, like why people don't share feedback as like, like they're breathing air, like what, what makes that? There's a lot of different reasons behind it. And it really okay. depends on the person. Mm-hmm. Um, and where they are at emotionally and mentally and how they perceive the world around them. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes I would say that the majority of the time I see people that are worried about delivering that negative feedback or upsetting someone or not coming out of that conversation being respected or making the situation worse. And that all comes from a true, genuine want and desire to make other people around us happy and feel fulfilled. And somewhere along the way, our wires got crossed that when we provide feedback, it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. That's so true, though. I mean, especially I remember, you know, growing up as like being a girl, like I feel like every time I try to communicate how I feel, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it can be perceive as like well why can't you just get along with everyone you know and and and, oh or why can't you just be happy or conform you know and I think for people specifically like me sometimes I do have a different take and view of the world and now that I'm older I understand that's what makes me you know unique and beautiful but at other times I I would be lying if I say those experiences hasn't been tough in the past because I always feel like, you know, I'm, I'm the one that's like, why can't I just be like everyone else or think, you know, like whatever, like if, if the majority of the people are okay with that, right. Then like, is my, is my uh, feedback really valid? And that's the kind of stuff that, you know, as a person, I think it's so important for us to kind of open that view up. And instead of looking at it as a negative thing, you know, you kind of have to promote and foster that environment where people actually this is just kind of a two-way street you know and I think kind of take away the judgment part of the equation and more Mm -hmm. of uh, trying to seek understanding and going back to your curiosity you know perspective because I love that I mean it's all about being curious right and people less like I think they're they're um what is it called like their wall usually become less you know less tall when you truly ask for understanding. No, absolutely. And you nailed that exactly what it is. And I love how you talked about your past experiences, because that's a lot of what gets in the way of giving and receiving feedback. Mm. That whole default tendency, the way we're raised, our Mm -hmm. belief systems, that can be a lot of what gets in the way of effective communication, period. But feedback, it's even more critical to understand that. And that's why your first couple key things are Mm -hmm. learn the communication styles, pay attention to how the person's receiving it and how they're interacting body, you know, their body language and tone and where their eyes are sitting and and all of those different things can actually help you lower that wall, Mm -hmm. that defense mechanism. Yet when we go in, and, and often we go in to give feedback and we're so worried about how it's going to land that we muddy it so much. 
And it's funny because you either, there's two ways that we usually do it. And there's a middle that's, that's much easier. We either go in super blunt and hot. Yes. Because we're, yes. we're uncomfortable with conversation or we're mm-hmm. frustrated or emotionally attached to it, or mm-hmm. we're so worried about hurting their feelings or, or having them take it in a positive way that we sugarcoat it and fluff it up with pillows so much that they, they're, they they're the frustrated by the end right. of it. They're like, why can't you just tell me, just get it out. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And there is a middle and that middle mm-hmm. is really talking about like sticking to the facts, explaining how it makes you feel which mm-hmm. oftentimes we don't want to do that in feedback because we feel it's unfair to put our feelings on someone else. Mm-hmm. But that's really what the catalyst of the conversation. And then mm-hmm. ask for what we need. And oftentimes we tell them what they're doing wrong and it comes out as blaming or shaming somebody. We don't acknowledge our own feelings around it and why we're even having the conversation. And then we don't ask for what we actually want. We don't talk about the corrected behavior. We just tell them what the repercussions are if it doesn't change. And then we send them off to deal with it themselves and figure out how to show up. Right. We don't set that expectation. Oh my gosh. I think I, I love, I love that last piece, especially because, you know, as, as parents, sometimes I see my kids arguing about about something, you know, that, that in, in my opinion, sometimes can be like, wow, that's interesting because they see the, the same thing from different perspective, you know, but again, going back to your point is like, I think most often people stop in like, this is how you make me feel and how this is unfair to me. And, um, you know, I think we forget sometimes to let the other person know, like, what can they do that kind of help you meet their need? So mm-hmm. that, you know, it can prevent the same thing from happening again, because if you don't tell like people, you know, going back to the point of like all of us have different needs, different communication style, um, you know, when you provide feedback, the key is to be able to also understand, acknowledge what we need so that we can communicate it to the to whoever we're talking about. It's like, okay, you know, if you talk to me, can you please do it this way? And don't apologize for actually asking for what you want, because you know, sometimes I see people like, oh, I'm sorry, I feel this way. But, you know, in reality, if you keep pushing your emotions down, usually several things happen. Like one, either you're unhappy or you can only push your emotions so much. And one day it's going to set a trigger off. And then you could be talking about, you know, butterflies and then you you went off on them. <laughs> Something completely <laughs> different, right? No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's, It's so interesting that you're saying that because we are, we're often described, especially in the U S as like very entitled Mm -hmm. Yeah, We're very, it's very hard for us to actually ask for things that are important to us. Why is that though? I mean, it's almost like we sugarcoat our need or we would say like, okay, this is what I need. But it's okay though. Like, I mean, you know, I understand if you, if we, we add so much fluff yeah. to what we need that sometimes, you know, even I used to do that. And now I have to listen to my kids say the same thing. And I'm like, why do we do that to ourselves? Because it does dilute the conversation, you know? And then if we're not careful, we can also say, okay, maybe they're okay with it or maybe they don't. 
but then we kind of fall into the passive aggressive side because we say, yeah, it's fine. But then we said it's fine, but it's actually not fine. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's part of the thing that's really, um, it's really important, you know, learning how to set true boundaries mm-hmm. and understanding what that means and how to hold them. And we really struggle, like humans struggle with that piece. Um, I don't know if it's a, it's a feeling of I'm not worthy or if it's a, I mean, in some cases it could be cultural in other cases, it could be, um, the thought process that is perceived as selfish. Yes. Right. And I think like sometimes, you know, going back to your point about like, um, self-worth, right. Cause sometimes it takes a strong person and a confident person to own their emotions and to own who they are. Because I know for me, for once, like I, you know, I came from an upbringing where I feel like, you know, especially the women has to be more of accommodating and understanding and so-called the gel of the family. And sometimes that also can, can um, bleed out to the fact that we are the one that has to kind of make things work so other people can be happy. But at the same time, it at the cost of your own happiness, right? And then so when I start learning to set boundaries, when I start learning like, okay, you know, this is not okay anymore for me, because, you know, in the past, I might say it's okay, but I wasn't. And when I start learning, say no, you know, I think the people around me, some of them were kind of like, wait, you changed, like what happened, you know? nothing happens. I just started saying what I feel instead of, <laughs> instead, of, instead of trying to pretend that I was okay with it. And, you know, I think something great happens when you start having that self-love because then you start valuing your time. You start mm-hmm. valuing your protecting your emotions. And then all these other things that doesn't really add to your life, you start feeling like, you know, you start questioning and setting your priority, right? And so going back to your point about feedback, I think it's so important to to own how you feel and to have enough confidence that even if you say your truth and the other person doesn't take it well, it doesn't mean it was not successful. You know, I think sometimes you kind of have to go through those hard conversations to, to, to be better. If you truly want to work the relationship better. Well, and you, you're touching on such a great point. And I love how you're tying it back to feedback because it's true. We often are so like when we make these decisions to make a change, mm-hmm. we've actually spent many years or however long we've known everyone around us. And whether those are employees that work for us or spouses, children, <laughs> family members, right. Mm-hmm. telling them how to treat us and how, what to expect from us. And when we change that, we're changing how they're interacting with us. And it's, it's not just new for us. It's new for everybody around us. Mm-hmm. So that's where I always invite clients and people to go, all right, so this first time is going to be scary. And I need to be aware that I'm not reacting in a way that they're used to. So they're probably going to still respond in the way that they used to respond to me when I showed up differently. And until they learn that this is how I actually am. And that's where the consistency part comes in because we want to like shy away from it and go back to our old tendencies because other people are not taking it right. They're not, they're not accepting it. 
-hmm. but they don't know what to accept. They don't know what the new rules of the game are because we've just changed it. So the more consistent we are, and usually it takes about four or five times of those interactions before somebody's like, okay, this isn't bad. It's just different. And I Mm -hmm. understand. And maybe even have that conversation with them. I've tried different ways of giving feedback in in the past and I want to try something new. So this is what I'm going to do. That way they know that the rules have changed and that way they know that they are expected to change with the rules. But we often don't set those expectations. It's, it's, I love that you mentioned setting the expectation from the get-go because like, I think, you know, once you, the, I think it's so key when you sit down with anybody, right, to kind of set that expectation and also let them know that, hey, you're not doing this to be difficult or you're not trying to kind of do this to kind of put them in their so-called place, you know, whatever that means. Um, Because you, I think if you both like set the expectation knowingly that you're truly wanting to make things better between the two of you or whoever, you know, I think that kind of... um, alleviate the tension in the air you know and it's becoming more of an open conversation versus like well this is just you know kind of a rant of things that hasn't worked out you know (laughs) because you know and and also going back to the fact that you know I think you mentioned this in the very beginning a lot of people sometimes associate feedback with negative negative feedback And so maybe also a part of what we can do to help kind of nurture and relearn this process is to also provide people specific feedback, you know, when it's actually they're doing something wonderful. And when they relearn those behavior, I hope it will be a game changer for, you know, whoever you're trying to make this work with. Yeah, I I actually, there's a unique way that we give feedback or, or missed opportunity that happens all the time. I see it in leadership quite a bit. I see it in spouses and relationships more. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Where we are really frustrated by something Mm -hmm. and it happens a couple of times and we're like, we're going to talk to that person. You know, I need, I need more information. I need to make sure I'm not going crazy or I'm just being a jerk. Right. Right. And then they change it on their own or they stop doing it before we have a conversation with them. So we go, whew, I don't have to have that conversation now. They right. fixed it, right? But that person never even knew that we were upset by it or that they shouldn't okay. be doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just as imperative in personal relationships to have those conversations as it is in work mm-hmm. relationships because you don't know what caused the behavior in the first place and you don't know what changed the behavior. And- right. If you don't understand that, it could happen again and they have no idea, but now you've built up all this emotional, you know, energy towards it. So when it happens again, or if it happens again, we blow up. We're like, yes. what the heck? I thought you got it because we had this whole story playing in our head, but they fixed it on their own. Yes. They saw the problem and fixed it. Wow. That's so powerful. And and I bet you that's also the reason why a lot of, I think a lot of conversation or arguments sometimes have this, this connotation of like, you always did this or you never did. It's like, uh, did I never do that? Well, and what's great (laughs) is, is we don't want to have that negative conversation 
Right. But here we have a golden opportunity laid in our laps to go, Hey, mm-hmm. I want to have a conversation with you. I've noticed you've been at, like doing X, Y, and Z instead of this over here. And I really appreciate it because it makes me feel X, Y, Z. Right. 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 And it's a totally different conversation. It's not saying you suck or I want you to change mm-hmm. or what you're doing is wrong. Yes. It changes that from judgment into, I am supporting you and I appreciate it. And I want to give you like glowing feedback. I love that. Cause basically I feel like, you know, we are so focused on results sometimes as society in anything. And sometimes we, we diminish the process, how we get to the destination. And, you know, you just kind of highlighted the fact that, you know, the process sometimes is as important, if not more important to kind of let them in to your journey of why it's important to you and not just say, well, do it because I said so, you know, and sometimes as a mom, I caught myself saying those things. I'm like, holy, holy, hold, hold on a second, you know, like it's important for them. And, and I am also kind of in the process of also relearning the process of letting my kids into kind of my emotions, because I don't want them to see only when I'm so-called doing well, you know, or like when I'm handling things well, I think it's almost as important, if not more, when you're actually struggling with something or if you're going through like certain emotion to your point to make sure that they know okay like this is how I'm feeling but this is you know why it's important to me that you did this because a lot of times they have no idea that was important to me and so here I am making making so-called beef about something and they're like why are you reacting this way and if we're not careful that can change, you know, someone's perspective perspective of you because they see mm-hmm. you like, why do you get angry over this? Like, it doesn't make sense to them, right? If you don't kind of let them into your journey, which is kind of to your point earlier about teaching people how to teach you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and oftentimes, you know, going back to the feedback perspective, um, your words do have to be consistent with your actions. Because if you keep saying like, okay, you know, this is fine, but then you you went into the passive aggressive mode and your action says otherwise, sometimes that can be even more toxic because you're not really helping the other person to, you know, let them in into your world and kind of, you know, have that honest conversation about what makes you, you know, feel that way. Absolutely. And it's, We're not setting ourselves or the other person up for success because we know everything that's going on in our heads. We're having all those conversations late at night or whenever it is where it's just spiraling, Mm -hmm. but they have no understanding of that. So when we let it spiral that much, and then we even go to try to have the conversation with them, we can't explain it because it's gotten so big. Right. So can I ask you a quick question before we wrap up? Um, because a lot of the things that I have seen happen in giving feedback is depending on how it rolls out, sometimes they're usually very emotionally charged, right? Because we waited for so long until yeah. this moment. So in case if people who are listening or, you know, they're, they're wanting to kind of help resolve certain things, but in a healthy manner, but it's, you know, they know this is going to be an emotionally charged conversation, or at least maybe to start with, what are some of the tools and tips that you has helped you um, or your clients in, you know, maybe like understanding what assumptions possibly that you have, you know, with that specific um, event 
And how can you, you know, what are some of the tools that can help you make sure the feedback landed well? So there's a couple really good resources. And the first one I would say is an amazing book that's been around for many years. Um, and I think it should be standard, standard reading for humans. Mm. Wow. Point. Okay. That's a tall, tall bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's called, um, nonviolent communication by Marshall Rosenberg. And it's amazing. And I would suggest not listening to it on Audible or buying it on like a Kindle or an ebook. I would buy the actual paperback because mm. inside of it, it has many exercises and ways for you to understand how you're communicating with people and giving feedback, how to set boundaries without hurting somebody's feelings or without like blowing up on them understanding yeah. your feelings around it. It's an amazing mm -hmm. book. Um, and they have many classes on it. I'm not a practitioner of it, but they actually have coaches that are certified in it. Mm -hmm. Um, and they use it all over the world for conflict resolution. That's awesome. Like nonviolent communication, nonviolent yeah. communications. And then there's a program that I actually, um, provide that there's a lot of coaches that provide mm -hmm. it, but mm -hmm. it's an amazing, program called positive intelligence that talks about mm -hmm. our internal saboteurs and mm -hmm. how we get caught up in all of that stuff. We say to ourselves, like, I have to talk to this person about it. And they're just, they're, they're bad, right? All those negative judgments. And it teaches you how to take the judgments out and learn how to be discerning versus judgmental. Wow. So how you can make mm -hmm. a choice on something without the negative emotions and all of those little voices in our heads getting in the way. I love that. I, mm -hmm. I, I love like the fact that it's like, to me, when, when the word assumption to me means, you know, it's, it's like, there's a lot of um, perspective that someone put into them, right? It's almost like when you see the sky and you're putting a Ray-Ban on, like the colors change, but it doesn't mean the sky itself change, you know? So I think understanding yeah. and separating your emotions from the actual object of what you're actually talking about it's very helpful not even like in feedback context but also like in you know for example if we talk about diversity and racial you know perspective and stuff like that because one of my own personal learning in in you know in different cultures are usually you know being able to kind of decouple detaching myself from my previous you know so-called what I thought was the truth, what I thought was like a fact and mm -hmm. trying to kind of relearn that from a childlike mentality and being open to what the other person is truly saying instead of like, uh -huh. you know, to your point earlier, judgment, judgment, judgment. Well, so and it's always that. amazing. It's always amazing. So I do a four hour intensive on it. Mm -hmm. um, and there's also an eight week course and the eight week mm -hmm. course, the first three weeks are really set for you to learn how often you're judging. And I invite anyone listening to this <laughs> to wow. really sit down for even a week and write down every time you have a negative emotion towards somebody like, and you judge them yeah. in some way, or you judge mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. It's insane when you start paying attention to how often we do it. <laughs> I don't, I don't doubt it a bit. I mean, we do that like almost every, every second, almost like every time you blink, you, you cast a judgment. You just, you know, some are subconscious too. <laughs> it's all a subconscious because that's how mm -hmm. our brain works. Like that's the entire, yeah. 
the entire piece of our middle brain is set up to judge whether something is good or bad and it's where to kick it in our brain from there. And that's, oh, we could go into a whole nother topic about this, but um, that's, it's really powerful when you're giving feedback to get out of your own judgment Mm. of yourself and how you're going to have the conversation, the other person, and just to be more effective in it. So those are two really, really great resources on how to do that. I love that. So, so the, the resources that you mentioned, the four hour, uh, deep dive intensive. into mm-hmm. intensive, um, where can they actually find that link if they're interested in signing up? So that link is on my website on, um, desired effects coaching.com. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they can find it from there. They can also find it from my Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. if they go on to desired, desired effects as a company on okay. LinkedIn. Okay. Well, that's all great tools and tips. And I'm so happy that you actually get to share this, um, you know, on this platform and I will link everything into the podcast um, descriptions and um, also on Campsat C website blog posts as usual. Um, and Desiree, I appreciate your time today and I am looking forward to like more conversation about important topics like this in the future. Take me places that tear up my reputation Manipulate my decisions Baby, there's nothing holding me back